I just want everybody to know this morning, I wore, I chose my outfit. Now, some people have already given me a hard time about it, but I chose my outfit today to let you know that however you came this morning, you're dressed the right way, right? So if you, if you, as I did, when I first started the church here in Boston, the first church that we started 20 years ago, I preached in a jacket every Sunday morning because that's the culture I came from. And that's the, there's, there's something really good about that in the sense that we put on some of our finest to worship God who is the best, right? So there's that, that value there. When you come to Antioch, um, Waltham, you'll more than likely see me in jeans because there's also a place where we can say it doesn't matter what you own or wear, God accepts you just the way you are and you can come in your jeans. And then because it's Easter, I wore my Easter shirt, which some of you are like, it's not an Easter shirt, but it is. It's pastel purple, periwinkle, something like that. Somebody's going to get an Easter egg today that looks like my shirt. So happy Easter. If you uh, have been around or if you were invited with one of the cards that we put out, we have been anticipating this morning in answering a question. And the question is, what does love cost? The 60s and the 70s stand that, yet we found that it was not so free from the dangers and disappointments that hedonistic love offers us. Amen? The pastor invites us at our wedding. That would be me if I'm doing your wedding. He invites us to love one another as husband and wife till death do us part, till the end of life, to love sacrificially. And to serve tirelessly. Whew, that's a long time. That's a high price. Often, if we are honest, those of us in our world would like love to be all about us. Oftentimes we see love in that way. No cost. With benefits. Convenient. In our time frame. For our success. For my success. If love could be as easy as paying for it, we would pay and liberally. Love me and never leave me. That's what we want from another. But if you displease me, some of us might say, I'm out of here as fast as I can. Maybe that's Minnie's motto in this world. True love, though, is what we really long for. But what does it mean? What does true love mean? If there be true love, and I believe there is, it always fights for, never gives up, and and is always first about the other, not about him or herself. Where does this eternal definition of love come from, and how is it achieved? Where do fairy tales start and end? And we love watching Disney, because it always has love, unconditional love at the center of its story. And why do we long for this kind of love greater than any other thing? It's written into the DNA of our lives, I believe it. We sing about it. We write about it. We pay money to see it displayed in movies and in the theater. We'll even die for it. Will you love me? Is the question we ask of another. Will you love me? I'll love you. Will you receive my love? I'll do whatever it takes to earn your love, to get your love. 
If only someone would love me in this way, would know me, accept me, believe in me, cheer for me, think I am worth spending money on, carry my burdens, move mountains for me. And if there's this kind of love, and I know there is, then how do I find it? How do I get it? How do I supply it and give it away? What is the cost of love? The cost must be great, right? More than I can pay, maybe? More than we can learn or achieve? And yet, though elusive and often tasted and lost, love, true love, seems to call to us unceasingly. We never stop pursuing it, the feeling, the companionship, the knowledge of this love. As Tennyson wrote, better to have loved and lost than what? To never have loved at all. We seem willing to give it all away if we can find this kind of love. But can we? My assumption is that the deepest, purest definition of love, no matter where it is displayed in our world, not cheapened by selfishness or glib definitions, this kind of love originates with God. The early church believed this, and they said it this way, God is love. If love is at the center of society's pursuit, both past and present, and most certainly in the future, then it has to have eternal roots and never-ending blossoms, as we look at our cross this morning. And if God is the embodiment of love, as I believe he is, then we have to go to God to understand what love is all about, don't we? If God is love, then he holds the answers to what love looks like. And if God is love and true love is available, not just for a moment but a, or a season, but for a lifetime that turns eternal, then we need to look to God to get it. We need to receive it, however it comes. And that's where we go back to the cost. Love costs something. For God, it costs everything. If God is love, think about it, then for God to give love to another means he must give all of who he is because he's love. Every part of him, and that is what he did. Remember with me, he started by making us like himself. In Genesis 1, he said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And after inviting us into this relationship, his new creation, into his community that has been going on forever, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in true love and community, he began walking and talking with us in the garden. He began revealing his secrets to us and making himself vulnerable to his creation. He gave us a home. He gave us dominion over his creation. He entrusted us with everything that he made, everything that he owns. He entrusted us with life, and he entrusted us with friendship with himself. And after this extension of love, we took this time in comparison to eternity, we decided that he was holding Satan the serpent sowed into our minds that we might not be able to trust this loving God. We gave up on love in the garden. And if honest today, that's way back then you're going, I didn't live in the garden. What are you talking about? That was Adam and Eve. I wasn't there. If we're honest with ourselves today, we're all born into that same kind of mindset. I'm going to have to make life work for me. I've got to take life into my own hands. 
I'm not sure I can trust anyone because at some point they're going to let me down. And this, this world that we live in. No, actually that God's love who is perfect and pure. He created all that is good. Everything good and perfect comes down from above, from God in heaven. Everything that is bad and not like God, not love, is the fruit of our sin. My sin, your sin, our collective thousands of years piled on top of each other's sin. There's evil in this world, and you've experienced it. You've seen it. The eternal opposite of love. And we all have a part to play in it. So let's not excuse ourselves from the reality that born within us is a penchant to rebel against God and to live for ourselves, the opposite of what love is. But he's not in these things, these things of sin, selfishness, hatred, pride, infidelity, lying, murder, all these that compete with love. It's opposite of who God is because he's love. So what does it cost to get love back? If we had it at the beginning and we lost it because of sin, what does it cost us to get that love back? Well, it costs God everything again. This time in the form of giving us Jesus, his one and only son. The fullness of love, God, now in human form. God so loved us that he sent his son to reveal us in a human way, once and for all, what God's love looks like. So Jesus emptied himself out of heaven and took on the human form and became not an earthly king, but a servant. Why? Because this is what God's love looks like, and this is how we find it. Jesus, with God from the beginning, speaking the worlds into existence because he's God, shows us that being one with God, being one with love, is not a mental grasping, but a demonstration we must see in something that, we, that must be delivered to us and that we experience. Lean into God and say, God, if you're love, we want to know you. Jesus came to earth from heaven to do just that. And wow, wow, how he showed the world he lived among what love, true love, God love looks like. It would take me too long. I wish I could go into every story that I'm going to highlight here about the love of God. But please, if you've never read the New Testament, if you've never read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them four different accounts of the same story of Jesus' coming to earth, his living on earth, his dying, his resurrection, all summed up in one of, each one of those books. But there's so many stories that actually happened that was really witnessed by real people that Jesus did and embodied as he displayed the life of God here on earth. He taught with wisdom that only comes from heaven. He healed the sick, lame, blind, deaf, and leper with an authority that only comes from heaven. He stilled storms, he multiplied food, he changed water into wine, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Miracles after astounding miracles by the power that only can come from heaven. And yet embedded in all of these love for those who cannot hear. Love for those who cannot understand who God is and what he's all about. It says in Matthew 9 that he went through all the towns and villages teaching in the synagogues proclaiming the good news of his kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion. He loved deeply. He loves deeply. This is how he feels about us. This is how he feels about you. 
Jesus' love, God's love did not come to condemn us, to condemn you, but to redeem you. When the woman was caught in adultery, she looked up at Jesus in her shame. He looked back at her with forgiveness and hope. This is the love that looks at you and me. He sees our fears hidden behind our tough exterior. He sees our shame masked by our smile. He sees our hypocrisy that is longing to be real. Jesus sees down into the heart that he created and longs to make it beat again with his true love. Amen? That's what he came to do. To sacrificially love us back to life again. To pay a debt that we could not pay for our sin so that we could know love again. To free us from the guilt and shame of our sin and the death penalty of our sins so that we could love freely and forever to welcome us into his family and reconcile us to himself, able to love and to be loved, a perfect loving environment forever. This is what he offers to us. This is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus lived his life. And this is what he did for us on the cross. The theologian Richard Hayes argues what the New Testament means by love is concretely embodied in the cross. As 1 John 3.16 declares with powerful simplicity, we know love by this that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. The content of the word love is given fully and exclusively in the death of Jesus on the cross. Apart from this specific narrative image, the term has no meaning. Authentic love calls us to repentance only by insisting that love's meaning is to be discovered in the New Testament story of Jesus. Therefore, in the cross. In that debt we could not pay, the sacrifice for our sin, how did he show his love? Isaiah says this, he was pierced for our transgressions, I would say when the sword of the guard went through his side. He was crushed for our iniquities, I would say when the soldiers whipped and beat him with vicious and vindictive blows. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. We, all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid us in this, that while we were still sinners, still rebellious, he died for us. In his atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world, everything that evil has brought, Everything you know to be wrong with this world and our lives that is marred by brokenness, war, famine, disaster, murder, factions, abuse, addiction, selfishness, everything you've seen, everything you've experienced, and maybe even done that is wrong, he took upon himself on the cross. If you were here with us Friday night, that's the journey we took. We opened up the, the, the church and we had stations of the cross, the, the journey of Jesus that last week as it ended with him being on the cross. And the cross on Friday night was not covered with greenery and flowers, but if you can see in the background, it was covered with chicken wire. And we had the opportunity as participants that evening to think about sin, brokenness, the evil that we see in the world, the evil that maybe we've experienced, maybe the evil that we've done. And we were invited by the worship team, but more importantly, we were invited by God to consider, Lord, where am I in this story? Where am I in the story of Jesus going to the cross? Where, if, where do I need 
the work that you've done on the cross for me. And people wrote things on pieces of paper. Can you hand me that, Molly, right underneath my chair? or That bowl, thank you. And to bring that up here. And so people wrote things anonymously and put them on the cross. Things like, well, this is, a, this is a proclamation. He gives us good lives. He never lets us down. Insecurity and fear. Jesus takes for us on the cross. Guilt. Broken families. Sickness. God pays for. Jesus paid for not listening and obeying. We had lots of kids involved in this journey on Friday night. The honesty of our hearts. This is what's actually in our hearts as adults. Lord Jesus, what do you deliver us from? Can't read that one. My loneliness. One more. Jesus makes me happy. Jesus paid it all, brought all on the cross for us. It's for these and those to come that Christ died, to defeat the power of sin, to bring healing for sin, to extend forgiveness for sin, to be victorious over Satan and the power of sin. Love, true love, displayed itself on the cross. God is love. Love's most enigma turned into a declaration of freedom and salvation because of Jesus. You want to know love? Come to the cross. Come to Jesus. Come to the one who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And here's the even better part for you and me. Back to the cost. What does love cost? For God, everything. For you and me, it's free. It's free. It's free. Say it. It's free. It's free for you. It's free for me. It's free for anybody who would receive it. It's free. Listen to Isaiah when he says, says this about God's love and about Christ's love. He said, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Isn't that incredible? But it's true. God meant for the most costly gift, the most precious possession we all pursue, unconditional and fulfilling love to be free. Because there's no price we could really pay. pay. As one kid said, it's priceless. We can't be good enough for a perfect God, but Jesus 
is for us. We can't be smart enough to convince God, but Jesus did this for us. We can't be religious enough. He is for us. We can't die enough. That's why Jesus died for us, for you and for me. No merit of our own without asking for it. We call this grace. God's favor. God's favor lavished, poured out on us who don't deserve it and can't earn it. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by any works, so that no one can boast. So let's take a deep breath and receive it. Love. The love of God. The origination of where love comes from. God. Relationship with him. Love. More than that, more than it frees us, it doesn't just free us from sin, but it gives us power. And we talked about this other kind of freedom in our children's sermon. It frees us to love in the same way, doesn't it? Jesus in us brings the power to walk in the same kind of freedom that Jesus had. So if Jesus loved a certain way, he calls us to love the same way. We don't love so that we can get saved. We love because we are saved. Let me say it again. We don't have to earn our salvation or earn God's love or work for it or connive it, manipulate him for it, try to pay him for it, try to do whatever we can to get it. We don't have to do anything for it because Jesus has done for us. But when we get saved, now we're transformed and we can love like he loves. At least that's the goal, right? Maybe not free from committing all sins right away. Maybe not free from selfishness 24-7 all the time right away. But we have the power of the living God in us that commits us to a way of living that on our own we could not do. But when we're doing it, we're like, God, this is not me. This is you. This is you. He brings the power to live love through us And as his spirit is in us, we are free indeed. But that's not all. It's like buying Ginsu knives this morning, isn't it? There's just, there's more. I've got more for you. You're not just free from sin. You're not just free to walk in the power of God and the love of God. You don't, you didn't just get to receive love, but hey, it's Easter, right? We don't just have a cross. We have an empty grave. We have an empty grave. Something happened in that grave that crucified, the crucified Jesus was buried in. Something happened to that cold, dead body that hung on a tree. The ground began to quake. The stone was rolled away, and the dead body Jesus came alive. The linen burial clothes that entombed his body fell away, and Jesus walked out of the grave fully alive. Christ is risen. No, 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 no. Christ He's alive. He's alive. Resurrection. Not only sin and death, not only sin defeated, but death defeated. And new and abundant life ours in Christ Jesus. That's why we put flowers on the cross to symbolize that the death that took place on that cross was not the final story. The final story is that the power that sin holds over our lives, death was destroyed by Jesus' victory from the grave. That new life, new blossoms of hope come out of that grave with Jesus. 
forgiveness, salvation. Jesus walked out of that grave to live never again in that place. Three days in the grave and now forevermore on his throne inviting us to the same resurrection life and inviting us to the same kind of love. Love is not only forgiveness, it's not only grace, but it's power to live free from sin and alive to who God is. His mother Mary welcomed this love when she got to be with her resurrected son who was dead in her arms days before, but who is now alive. Peter experienced it even after he had denied Jesus and the the crow had made its sounding noise and he realized that he had rejected, disowned his friend and Savior. And Jesus gave him the opportunity after he rose from the grave to see him and to, be, and to forgive him and to call him into ministry. All the disciples lived, lived it and as he appeared to them and showed them his nail-pierced hands and feet and ate with them, they saw the risen Jesus. More than 500 people over the course of his time on earth after his death and before his ascension saw him, talked with him, ate with him, prayed with him. Not some fairy tale, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ, who was the great teacher, a healer, a deliverer, who declared that he was not just a human being, but was perfect both as man and as God. He died and rose from the grave, people saw him, and he ascended into heaven. This is our Jesus. And they watched as he rose up into heaven before them, promising to come back. He's alive, and he's alive forevermore. What's the cost of love? All who God is and does for you and me is the cost The greatest life lived for you and me is the cost. The greatest price ever paid on the cross is the cost. The greatest victory won for you and me on the cross and out of the grave, giving us freely salvation to anyone who would believe. And the promise of love, salvation. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is abundant life. Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And ultimately, this life means resurrection from the dead for you and me to eternal life. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the cost of love? From God, everything to us, free and freedom. And once received in our lives, that love, the God of love that lives in us, calls us to be like him, to give it all away, to be that all-out, sacrificial, other-serving, self-denying kind of person that Jesus is because he lives in us. Jesus said that by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So my question as I end today is, do you know this love? Do you know this love who has a name and his name is Jesus? Have you experienced, as the men on the road to Emmaus did, as we heard earlier in our worship service, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight, and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning 
within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. I can tell you that when I first had my eyes open to Jesus, my heart burned within me. Actually, what happens to me is that my heart starts beating really fast. And I realized in that place of awareness that God was interacting with me both in my mind and in my spirit and in my emotions. And he was drawing the wholeness of who I am to himself. He was inviting me into salvation with him. And I just want to say this before we pray. If you're here this morning, and as the two on the road to Emmaus exclaimed, was not our heart, hearts beating within us when we are with him. If you're in that place of faith, don't deny it. Don't excuse it. But allow God to come in and set you free. And for those of us who have experienced that kind of faith before, may we awaken afresh this morning with that wonderful life that Jesus has given us. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. But we only love you because you first loved us. We wouldn't even know what true love, real love is if you hadn't come to us first. We've seen glimmers of it. We've tasted it. But without you, we wouldn't truly know it. Know it in a way. Jesus, I just pray as our eyes are closed, I pray for anybody in this room that has a heart that is burning within them right now, that has been awakened by this service in your presence to your life. And I pray, God, right now that you would speak personally to them and that they would as the scripture said at the end of the message in Romans, they would confess with their mouth that Jesus was, is Lord and believe in their heart that you have risen from the grave and that you are God eternal. Lord, would you bring salvation this morning? And Lord, would you stir us all to rejoice in a fresh new way this Easter? In the glory, in the wonder, in the majesty of you, our salvation, our savior, and the one who brings us true love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up with me.